Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express. Please go check them out this week by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I really appreciate having you on board, and I'm really looking forward to recording today's episode. It's just really a privilege for me to be able to sit down and record something that goes out to thousands of people each week and to try to teach each of you every week is, is really an honor and a privilege. So thank you very much for, for being a listener. I really appreciate that. Before we get to today's topic, which is all about the return of serve, I want to let you all know about a free course that I'm releasing just over the next week. And I'm going to be giving video instruction away on some major technique flaws that recreational players have in their games. And I'm going to be going over how to hit a more powerful forehand without trying any harder through the use of the kinetic chain. And that video is up right now. You can go check that out by going to PlatinumTennis.com. That's PlatinumTennis.com. The second video I'm going to release is going to be about uh, hitting a more aggressive serve by using your legs correctly. And the third video in that course is going to be about hitting a more efficient two-handed backhand. So hitting a two-handed backhand without doing more than you have to. So this free course is going to be up for only a limited amount of time, probably around a week. This podcast is being released on Monday, the 2nd. And I don't know exactly when I'm going to take the course down yet, but it's going to be around the 9th, somewhere in there. So please go check it out. It's good in- good instruction, good information. And again, completely free. So again, that's at PlatinumTennis.com. Hopefully, I'll see you there. And with that, let's go ahead and get to today's show. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's get to today's topic at hand. And you know what? I don't think that I've done a return of serve episode. I'm sorry, return of serve episode of the podcast before. At least not a full episode, just on the return of serve. So good topic today. And, and I can tell when I have a good topic when it's a simple question that the listener is asking, but the outline that I make in preparation for the show is huge. And that's the case today. So I, I know that this is just a really packed topic with with really good things to talk about and very um, actionable things that you guys will be able to think about and implement in your own game right away. So looking forward to today's talk. And today's topic came to us from Joe. He wrote and said, on return of serve, I mostly play doubles, but it's pro- it probably matters for singles players as well. Do you plan for a specific service return before the server serves? Granted, the speed and placement of the serve dictates to a great extent what you can do with the return, but what about planning for a return? For example, when I return in doubles, 
as I take my position, I think about the server and what kind of serve I expect. I look for my positioning for a cross-court return. I play both do side and add side. And I look at the receiver's position for cross-court returns as I specifically look at the possibility of a low percentage down the line return. Lots of stuff going on in your head here, Joe. I also think about what the server typically does after serving and what my placement should be if I decide to lob. When I wait for the serve and do what it seems to make sense, I'm sorry, then I wait for the serve and do whatever seems to make sense at the time. Should I be planning for a specific return most or all of the time, e.g. high percentage cross courts, and just go with that, or does it make sense to plan for each return? Joe. Well, Joe, that's a really, really good question. And in general, I think you've got too much stuff going on in your head, and we're going to simplify it. Not to say that any of those thoughts that you that you do have running through your mind are bad thoughts. They're all valid and can definitely be applicable depending on the situation you're in and your specific opponent. But you shouldn't be considering or pondering all of those different things on a consistent basis, you know, from uh, from one point to the next, constantly keeping all those things in mind is definitely going to get in the way of your performance. So in general, you should be having a plan for sure. And what that plan is exactly depends on several variables, but in general, it should be something very simple. And I absolutely recommend that you have that plan in place in your head before the serve is struck. I don't recommend that you try to just figure it out as the, as the serve is making its way to you. That definitely won't be enough time to weigh all the pros and cons of each of the different options that are on the table because there are a lot of different options that you could choose from. So I recommend you have an idea of what you'd like to do before the serve gets hit. Now, what should you choose? I guess that's really the big question here. And I'm going to split this up into two sections, doubles and singles. And I'm going to talk about doubles first because, first of all, I think it's a little bit more complicated. It is more complicated. And it's also what Joe plays more of. So we're going to get that out of the way first. And then we'll talk about singles as well. So doubles, priority number one on the return of serve is put a lot of returns in play. (laughs) And I know that that probably sounds really rudimentary, but I I need to say it because I see recreational players make the mistake all the time of being over-aggressive with the return, of thinking that they have to hit an incredible shot right off the bat, otherwise they'll lose every single point, and as a result, they make a lot of unforced errors. And this is something that I, this is a trap that I've fallen into as well. And by the way, the, the higher level of doubles that you play, the more aggressive of a shot you need to hit on the return because the server's partner gets more and more active. They're more and more offensive. They poach more and more often. And so the, the stronger of a player you're playing against or stronger of a team you're playing against, the more you're going to have to do with your return. But even keeping that in mind, you, uh, you're going to be much better off hitting a weak return of serve and making it very consistently than hitting a really offensive return of serve and only making half of them. Trust me, uh, it, it might might seem like hitting it harder and making less might pay off, and it, it could to a certain extent, 
Um, but you you, you want to be careful with that. I mean, think about it this way. Missing the return of serve is the same thing as double faulting. Now, you know, not exactly, obviously. Uh, you're not in control. You're not just tossing the ball to yourself to hit it in play. However, I, you should be thinking of it in the same terms. You know, when you miss the return of serve, your opponents had to do almost nothing to earn that point. You just gave them a free point. And when you miss a return of serve, that's a failure. <laughs> now, of course, there's going to be times where the servers have a great, you know, the server has a great serve and they can force you into making a mistake. That's completely different. When, when you have a serve that you know you can hit comfortably and you miss it because you're over aggressive, that's what I'm talking about. Not when you get aced or, or when the, the serve is really, really good and you barely get a racket on it. Obviously, that's completely understandable and that will happen. Um, at least as you get up to that level. If you're playing at a 3-0 level right now, then missing the return is as bad as double faulting because you're not playing anybody that is forcing you to make mistakes off the return of serve. So there, all right, I, there's my speech there. I could keep talking about that. But uh, priority number one in doubles on the return of serve, get the point started, put as many returns as play as possible, even if, even if it means once in a while it being a weak shot and your opponents have an easy uh, ball to try to put away, they're going to miss some of those. So put the ball in play as often as possible. And if you're having no trouble with that, then obviously a stronger shot is better. But I just want to throw that out there. That's priority number one. Priority number two is to avoid the net player at all costs. So once you get to the point where putting the ball in play is no problem, priority number two is avoiding that net player because they pose the biggest threat to you by far. And I'm talking about the server's partner. If they're doing their job correctly as a good doubles player, they should be very active. They should be moving and poaching and faking a lot. And they should be doing whatever possible to try to cut off your return of serve. And so your job, your second priority after just making the return as often as possible in general is to hit whatever shot is necessary to keep the ball away from them. And again, might seem obvious, and there's several different ways that we can do this, but that's really, really, really important. Um, the best possible thing that could happen for the serving team is put a good serve in play, and then the server's partner gets a volley and puts it away. So we need to avoid them. And there's several options to do this. I'm going to mention four. Number one, a routine cross-court shot. Just a you know standard run-of-the-mill cross-court return of serve very often will get the job done and you don't have to do anything higher risk than that option number two an aggressively hit cross-court shot and that could mean hitting it harder with more pace it could mean your placement is more aggressive you aim closer to the opposite uh, alley cross-court so you try to hit a bigger angle to hit away from them it might mean aiming down the line and trying to hit down the alley of the net player, or it could mean hitting a lob either down the line or cross court. So there's, there's four options right there to be able to avoid that net player. They're all valid. And which one you use is going to de be determined by what's actually happening in the match. So there's your priorities. Um, put a lot of returns in play, avoid the net player, 
I gave you options to avoid the net player. Now I'm going to talk about the rec- my recommended plan of action. In other words, in what order should you use those options and when should you use those different options? Well, I recommend that you absolutely start off every match using the simple routine cross-court return of serve. Just hit a topspin slash drive or even slice can work uh, as well and start with that. Nothing fancy, just put it in. It's the highest percentage place to aim and um, the because it's cross-court, it's naturally angling away from that net player and if that's working if if you know you start off just with that just with a relaxed cross court return of serve again either with a drive or top spin or slice whatever you want to use and consistently that is passing the net player and they are not pressuring you a lot then do nothing different unless you're forced to this is really important as soon as that net player has established that when you just hit a standard you know, a neutral drive cross court without crushing it, without trying to hit it as hard as you can, uh, without doing all kind of fancy stuff. As soon as they show you that they're going to let you get away with that, do nothing different the rest of the match. There is no sense in risking a lower percentage shot. There's no sense in risking hitting the ball more aggressively than you have to unless it's absolutely necessary. So don't be a sucker and go for the big, impressive, offensive return of serve where you're just trying to crush it and just win the point outright. Unlike the serving player, you don't get two tries at it. You only get one. So you can't you can't go and just kind of haul off and hit the heck out of the first one and then put the second one in play. You've got to make that first return. It's, when the ball comes to you, it's got to go in play. And if the net player is not posing a big threat, then just take the easy open courts, cross courts, and just do that over and over again. Now, if that is not working, you know, if you're saying to me, well, that's great, Ian, but I play at a four or five level and I can't just hit a typical rally ball cross courts because the players I'm playing are super aggressive and I will pay for that. My partner will pay for that. They'll get crushed by the poaching server's partner as they go across and cut off my weak return of serve. Well, if that's the case, then what you do next totally depends on what's happening in the match. And if your server's partner, if the person directly in front of you, the the net player on the other side, is repeatedly successfully poaching, then you've basically got three main options. Number one, you can be aggressive and go down the line. Keep them honest, as this is typically referred to. So if they're moving early, they're poaching a lot, absolutely go ahead. You've got to do something to try to neutralize their attacks. And going down down the line can absolutely be a great option. Again, play the high percentage shot, but when they're making you pay for that over and over again, you must mix it up. So go down the alley. Uh, don't actually aim for the alley. I, w- I would recommend aiming for the single sideline, which gives you some good margin for error inside the courts, and hit it nice and aggressively. Hit it confidently and show that server's partner that you're not afraid of mixing it up and trying to catch them if they're going to continue being really offensive. Second option is you can be really aggressive or more aggressive and go cross courts and just simply try to challenge that server's partner more so with their poaching and trying to cut off your return. 
And then thirdly, you can lob. You can either lob uh, directly straight ahead over that net player or you can lob cross court. And you, you, you should try whichever one of those three you think will have the greatest effect right away. Don't be afraid to try all three. If, the, if you think, ah, okay, I'm going to go down the line. I'm going to catch him poaching. That'll, that'll keep him honest. And it doesn't work then try another one of those three options. Try all three if necessary, and hopefully one of them neutralizes that attack. And once you've neutralized their attack and you've forced them to start being less aggressive, then you can go right back to the cross-court return of serve again. Um, Repeat your change of plan as many times as necessary, uh, whichever one works, or maybe a combination of the lob aggressive cross-court shot, down the line, you know, aggressive shot. Use a combination of those three until either that net player stops doing what they're doing and they, they stop poaching, they stop being super offensive, or you find something that in general that net player can't handle. Um, if it turns out they have a terrible overhead, then keep using the lob. Uh, if it turns out that they can't handle pace when you go cross court and they keep flubbing the, the volley when they poach. Great. Stick with that. And as soon as you have been successful with your alternative plan, enough times that that net player stops being so aggressive and so disruptive, then go right back to the standard high percentage cross court return of serve and go right back to playing high percentage again. And then if they go back to poaching again, then you're going to have to make adjustments. This is like a chess match. Every tennis match is, and a chess game, I guess, is a, the better uh, terminology. Uh, every tennis match is like this. And if you're unable to see what's happening and make these adjustments, then you're not going to be as successful as you could be. Um, let's see. What do I have next? Okay. So in general, your goal should always be to go back to the routine cross-court shot. And for most of you listening, that should be possible. If you're a 3-0 or 3-5 player, it's not going to be very often that you play somebody that is really aggressive at the net and always poaching. And when you do, very often, if you just if you burn them one time with a lob or burn them one time with a down-the-line return of serve, then for the most part, they'll, they'll say, ah, oh, well, that's not working anymore. And they'll go back to just staying home and staying in the middle of their service box. And then you can go right back to a routine, high percentage cross-court return of serve. If um, they continue to poach, which is going to be unlikely at lower to intermediate levels, then on that particular day, you're going to have to really be on your game and you're going to have to come up with Shots that are not standard and that are not routine. And you should be practicing these shots. The lob, the down-the-line return, the aggressive cross-court return. Practice those in practice so that when you get to competition and you play this net player who's really disruptive and really offensive, you have the confidence that you can actually do something about it. If you don't practice those shots, then you'll get flustered really quickly when you have that aggressive player at the net in your doubles matches. So, Joe, that's pretty much it. And and by the way, and Joe was asking originally about whether or not you should plan this ahead of time. These everything I'm talking about, the adjustments, the really aggressive net player, the three different options to try to um 
get rid of that aggressive net player and, and make them go back to being honest again. These are all things that you should be planning out before the point starts. This is all information that you have in your head that you should be planning out and sorting out in your head between points before the service struck to you. If you try to make these types of decisions between the point in time that the service struck and when it gets to you, you're going to have a really hard time just making a decision, first of all, and then having enough time to actually execute and hit the shot well. I understand that some serves are more difficult than others, uh, but basically what I recommend is that you have a set plan so you you know to yourself you, you can tell yourself all right i know that the server in general has been hitting the first serve aggressively i know that the server's partner has been very very active so i'm gonna take this next serve i'm gonna block a lob down the line that's my plan for this point and then if it turns out the server hits a really good serve and you're just barely getting your racket on it then just do whatever you can to just get it in play. So have your plan and then have a bailout, you know, emergency plan, which is basically just get the ball on the court and don't worry anymore about executing your plan to perfection. Um, just have an emergency backup of just aiming cross court and just blocking the ball. And that basically should be what you have. You should have your general, you should have your specific plan based on the tactics that you're trying to implement and what your opponents are doing. And then you should have your emergency plan, which is just get the ball on the court. If you're playing against somebody who has a really legitimate, you know, big first serve or, or big second serve. So there you go, Joe, there's the doubles section and what I recommend. So just as a quick review, start off high percentage. You should have a plan. If that net player is not posing much of a threat, stick with the high percentage just generic cross-court return of serve. Stick with it the whole match. If they if that net player keeps giving it to you, keep taking it over and over again. If they're poaching a lot, use one of those three options to try to get them off of the, the poaching train and try to get them to go back to being just a standard net player in the middle of their service box. If they don't go back, then you're going to have to keep trying you know, different combinations, different options, mixing it up more. More than likely, you'll find something that will get them honest again, and then your goal is to get back to that standard cross-court return of serve. All right, uh, before we get to the singles section, just a quick reminder about the sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and that is Tennis Express, one of the best places you can go online to take care of your racket, string, grip, needs, uh, clothing, shoes, etc., Whatever you need for your tennis game, they've got it. They have great deals on shipping. I believe they still have free shipping for orders over $75. And to go check them out, please go to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. When you go to that link, you'll immediately get routed over to Tennis Express uh, directly. And they'll you'll get a little tracking cookie in your browser so that if you check out and you purchase anything, a small percentage of that purchase will come back to support the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you don't want to remember that link, I tried to make it as easy as possible, but you can also just go to EssentialTennis.com and click on any of the Tennis Express um, ads or banners there, and uh, that will track your purchases as well to help support the podcast. Thank you very much to everybody that's been making purchases uh, through those links, I really appreciate it. That helps pay the bills here at Essential Tennis. All right, 
Next up, we're going to talk about the return of serve in singles. And uh, same priority number one as in doubles, put the ball in play as often as possible, whatever it takes. Just recently, I was playing a couple of sets against a, a strong 4-5 player. And uh, you'll find that in singles, since you don't have that net player to contend with, you can be much more lenient with the quality of your return. You no longer have to drive it. You no longer have to hit it aggressively or, or offensively. If you can simply put it back deep, very often that's good enough. If you can get it within 8, 10 feet of the baseline, that's deep enough that you'll be starting off relatively neutral most of the time. If you're playing against a, a stronger 4-5 or 5-0 or player, you might have to put it a little bit closer to the baseline. But even then, if you can get it within 4 or 6 feet, great. You're starting off on an even playing field and you can go ahead and, and use your baseline tactics or whatever your tactics are uh, against your particular opponent that day. But priority number one is put as many in play as possible. If that means being less aggressive and just blocking it, in the, blocking it into the court, so be it. But don't be that sucker player that is going for you know the, the winning slash offensive shot off the return over and over again and missing a large percentage of them because I, I just don't want you all to be playing that way. It's just not smart tennis. Priority number two, if you're having no problem putting the return in play in general, then you should try to set the point up in your favor. And that basically means offense, but that doesn't necessarily mean hit it hard. And you have, th just like in doubles, we have three main options. Number one is hit it hard, <laughs> hit, it, hit it more aggressively. And uh, I, I, highly, I highly recommend that you use enough topspin that it's still relatively consistent and you're not making a lot of mistakes. But if you have time and you're comfortable with the serves that your opponent is giving you, absolutely try to take their time away by being more offensive with your stroke. And that could include getting closer to the service box as well to take away some of their time. And just in general, creating more racket head speed and using whatever tactics that you think are smart as far as hitting to their backhand, maybe hitting down the line if you're going to approach etc, etc. But just in general, hitting more offensively, hitting it harder can be a great option. Number two is depth. Aim deeper in the courts. If you can combine that with hitting it hard, then great. But the deeper you can get it, the closer to the baseline, the more of a beneficial situation you're going to find yourself in after that return goes in play. Number three is width. You can go for angles. You can keep the ball in front of you and aim down the line. If you're approaching, as I mentioned a second ago, use the width of the court as well to your advantage. And which one of those three you use, or maybe a combination of all three, is going to be very dependent on your specific opponents, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And I'll give, let's see, I have, I've got five examples here. I'm starting to run out of time in this episode, so I'm, I'll go through these relatively quickly. But here's some specific examples, just to get you guys thinking, who are mostly singles players, about how you can use those three options. Uh, more racket head speed, hitting it harder, the depth, and the width. So let's say that you're playing somebody who's really steady off both sides on the baseline. So they don't really have a clear um, stronger side and a clear weaker side. Uh, I would recommend an aggressively hit cross-court shot against that type of opponent. It's a high percentage target, and it follows the directionals. So it's a good way to set up the point 
in your favor. And if they're really solid off both sides, that might not just outright win the point. But to be honest with you, you shouldn't be really trying to do that most of the time anyway. You're trying to choose a target that the majority of the time you are giving yourself a good starting point to be able to work the point and win it in your favor. Again, don't be a sucker and just go for the winner. So that's example number two. I'm sorry, example number one. Example number two is if their backhand is much weaker than their forehand. Maybe you're playing against somebody who has an obvious weakness. Well, great. Once you pick that out, and again, you're consistently making your returns, and so you have some headroom to be more offensive, then be aggressive with the return and serve. Go down the line on the deuce side and cross court on the ad side, assuming they're a right-handed player. Um, Specific example number three, they're a serve and volley player. I just recently did a show, by the way, on how to beat serve and volley players, so listen to that. A whole episode on that. But main options are a topspin dipper at their feet or maybe a a dropping backspin shot, a slice shot that you place well down at their feet. And in that case, you don't want to aim very deep because that's going to give them a higher volley to be able to try and be offensive right off the bat. So specific example there where you might not want to aim deep, but just in general, being able to control the depth is really important. Specific example number four of a player you might face is somebody who loves the baseline, but they hate the net. You'll play, you'll play players like that. Uh, in this case, being able to use a drop shot off the return of serve would be great. It's a great option to draw them forwards and out of their comfort zone. Then lastly, uh, fifth specific example, somebody who's not especially good at anything and you're just a better player. You're going to play, you're going to walk onto the court in matches where It's clear right away you're stronger. Your opponent doesn't really have any particular strength that they can really hurt you with really easily. Well, in that case, be confident and just go cross-court all day with your return of serve. Just take the high percentage choice. Don't feel like you have to blow them out of the water and go for a winner off of every return. Go cross-court. Be confident with it. Be assertive and be offensive with it. But by going cross-court, you set yourself up really well As far as the directionals are concerned, it's a high percentage target, and you can go ahead and and hit out and be confident. So just real quickly, kind of five generic player types that you might play, and what I recommend that you probably try first when it comes to specific tactics with the return of serve in singles. But in review, and this goes for both singles and doubles, you should have a plan for every single return of serve. Also, in general, both singles and doubles, number one, pr- number one priority is always just to make a lot of returns. Even if it means giving your opponents relatively easy shots, better to make them put away an easy ball than to, again, be a sucker and miss a lot because you're trying to challenge them no matter what, even though you're making unforced errors. Don't fall into that trap. And then based on the course of the match... Uh, If you're able to put the ball in the court consistently and you want to challenge them one step further, you're going to do that based on your opponent's specific strengths and weaknesses uh, in doubles, whether or not that net player is poaching a lot. And it's going to depend on your success rate as far as what's working, what's not. And it's going to depend on what your opponents are, how your opponents react to your different choices. So, you know, this is one of those topics where I can't say, you know, Joe's asking, oh, how do you hit a good return of serve? And I, I, it's not possible for me to say, well, Joe, hit it cross court with slice. 
you know, every time you play doubles and it's always going to work. It's not always going to work. And so these types of topics can get really, really complex and really complicated very quickly because there's no cookie cutter answer. And hopefully all the different options I went over were clear and it makes sense. And all of you listening have a good idea of what you should be looking for and what your different options are when things aren't quite going your way or when they are going your way and you want to be a little bit more offensive in the the case of uh, singles. So Joe, thanks very much for a great topic there. Hopefully this was helpful to you and best of luck as you continue to work hard hard at your game. All right, that does it for episode number 168 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you being a listener of the podcast, no matter where in the world you may be or when you may be listening to my voice. Thank you very much for listening. And in wrapping up, I'm going to read a comment from last week's show, which was all about when to start working on offense. And I'm just going to read one comment just in in the interest of time here because I've already gone pretty long on this uh, show. But this comment comes to us from Brett, and he wrote and said, and I've cut a little bit of this out to make it go a little bit more quickly. While playing a 3.5 level USTA team match singles, I went up early on my opponent 4-1. There was a stiff head slash tailwind, but I was handling it well, and he not so much. After the changeover, it seemed that he had pegged his hopes on another strategy, pushed the ball back. Suddenly, I was feeling like everything was coming back at me despite putting a lot of pace into my shots. He started outlasting me with my errors, ending most of the points. I then began to dial back my own aggression in hopes of limiting errors. I continued to miss at even a higher rate than I had been when taking big cuts at the ball. Racket deceleration, indecisiveness, and so on. I felt like a fish out of water. He rolled on to take the set 6-4, I was disgusted with myself. I know that feeling, (laughs) Brett, for sure. I decided to let it rip in the second set. I went on to take the second set, 6-3, and won the third set's high break, uh, 10-8, with some really big returns and serves to close it out. I still made plenty of errors, of course, but it felt much more natural and less forced. It seems that shifting back into my aggressive mindset, which is kind of my default mode, worked. I spoke with a tennis friend of mine who is infinitely more experienced and knowledgeable, and he told me that he believes that you can't change who you are when you're playing tennis. Basically, if you are aggressive, then embrace it and play that style. If you are passive, then work on a more defensive game. My brain tells me that I need to try to work points longer and go for a little bit less, but my instinct is for is to go for it early and often. What are your thoughts on my friend's opinion? Do you tend to agree that he is right and that you are who you are on and off the courts and just roll with it? All right, Brett, really, really good question. I should really just save this for a full episode, but I wanted to I wanted to talk about this quickly at the end of today's show since um, it was a really good comment left on last week's episode. And basically, yes, everybody has kind of natural tendencies and has a personality, both as a person and as a tennis player. And you should be aware of that. You should know what it is for sure. And you, to a certain extent, yes, you do want to be true to that. You don't want to try to develop the opposite game style from what seems to come easily and comes naturally to you. 
But that being said, once you understand what it is and what the inherent strengths and weaknesses are of that style, for Brett, it's it's unforced errors. You know, he's most comfortable when he's being offensive. But the downside is he's going to make mistakes. And if he's having a, an off day, he's going to make a lot of mistakes. So you should know that that's your personality, but work on what you know your weaknesses are. So if you know that your personality is being offensive and you want to pull the trigger early and often, etc., then you should absolutely work on your shot tolerance, your, your ability to play longer rallies. And you should... You, um, you should do drills that work on that. You should work on playing matches against opponents where you know you're going to need good consistency as well as good offense. And it's good that you went back to your natural playing style here, Brett. What every pusher wants is for you to leave whatever your natural game is and play their game. They want you to play their game because that's what they're good at and they're going to win if they can get you to come down you know come down to their level doesn't sound right uh, cuz I don't want to talk down to pushers because or people that are you know um retrievers or people that are just very consistent because it's a legitimate style of play and it's very very effective so uh, I don't want to say it in a you know degrading way but they absolutely want you to try to beat them at their own game and what you did by going back to offense and hitting through that opponent was exactly right um, so congratulations on that. But to answer your question, embrace your natural tennis game and understand what it is, what it is but also work on, was it, on what doesn't come naturally to you as well. And if that means consistency, then work on that because you want to be as well-rounded of a player as possible. You want to have offense, but if you don't have any defense and you don't have any consistency, then obviously you're very one-sided and you're not going to be as successful as you possibly could be. So I think your friend was correct to a certain degree, but be careful about just going all out with what your natural game is and saying, ah, well, my personality is be offensive. So I'm going to hit every ball as hard as I can. And if I miss, who cares? I'm going to hit it, hit the next one just as hard as I can as well. Well, that's just not smart. (laughs) And uh, that might work sometimes, but in the long run, you want to be a well-rounded tennis player. So... Brett, thanks very much for your comments and uh, lots of other comments as well on last week's show. And uh, if you'd like to leave me a comment or question on this week's episode, number 168, please do so by going to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast, click on episode number 168, leave your comments or questions, and I'll be happy to read them, review them, and hopefully get back to you with some answers. And I'm going to read at least one, possibly a couple of those comments in next week's show. All right. Sorry for the uh, kind of a little bit longer episode today. Hopefully you guys don't mind a little bit of a little bit of extra tennis talk. Uh, but I try to keep it around a half an hour because I, I know nobody wants to sit down and listen to an hour long show. That's just a lot to to listen to. So, but thank you very much for your time this week, everybody. Thank you again for being a listener. Make sure make sure to go to platinumtennis.com this week for that free course because it will be taken down about a week from now. So with that, I'll sign off. Thanks very much for listening. Take care and good luck with your tennis. 